Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. This is part two, and we're talking about the 15 reasons, well, probably with our added points, more like 20 reasons why the listing is not selling. So this is a special podcast, and this is part two. For those of you who have listings and you're noticing they're sitting on the market a little bit longer, those of you who are about to take listings and you want to look at these points as things to avoid mm-hmm. so your listings actually sell, because what we're going to be entering into over the next really four to five months is going to be very challenging for low-skilled agents. No two ways about it. So if you are if you have an active listing and it hasn't sold, there's an excellent chance the seller's going to fire you. Oh, they might be taking it out the market for this reason or that, but at the end of the day, you're not going to be getting that listing again because you didn't get it sold. They might be your best friend from high school, but they still are not going to relist with you if you have had it active for the past couple months and you didn't get it sold. Lesson to all of you, you need to be getting your listing sold as fast as you can for the most money, the least amount of hassle of, the, hassle of the seller, no matter what the rest of the market is doing. And that really is the big takeaway. It doesn't matter what the average days on the market is in your marketplace uh, in the sense that you don't have to actually be just average. You can have a days on the market that absolutely annihilates the average days on the market. We have coaching clients who have days in the market that are like 10% of the average days on the market, even in the worst markets. So I'm just to put that in perspective, it's normal and natural in a normal balanced market to have four or five months as the average days in the market. But a really well-skilled agent who knows how to position the house correctly in the market is going to get that listing sold in two weeks. No matter what the interest rates are, no matter what's going on in the marketplace, you need to be that agent. And by the way, and this should be an interesting eye-opener for many of you, it's not always just because of the price. Oftentimes, a house priced perfectly, but it's breaking one of these essentially I don't know if you can call them 15 rules, but 15 hazards and it's committing, you know, some the the listing itself is not positioned on the market correctly. And again, one of these 15 reasons or all these 15 reasons would be the reason it isn't selling. Even priced correctly is not going to sell. Well, that's right. So any one of these could be the reason that it's not selling. And if you have a combination of these, then for sure you're stretching out your days on the market. And even if you are not unfortunate to actually get yourself fired, you will then be you know, just as unfortunate to have it expire on you with the same result. The seller's mad at you. They relist with somebody else. They're disappointed. It's not how they thought it would go, and it's not how you thought it would go. So you've got to be much more proactive now going forward in this transitioning market headed for probably a more balanced market than you've had to be in probably, honestly, the last decade. So the, one of the best marketing uh, you know, vehicles you could possibly ever have is a for sale sign in someone's yard, except if that for sale sign has been sitting in their yard for what is perceived as too long. Then it actually works against you. So when it's a new listing, you're going to get some listing leads. You're going to get the neighbors being enthusiastic. You're going to get a lot of just really free marketing and advertising and a lot of free momentum from the, the very fact you have a for sale sign in the yard. Well, guess what? If that sign is still sitting there 30, 60, 90 days, let alone six months later, what you're now telling the entire marketplace is, you know, Bob, whose name is and maybe faces on that sign, is unable to get his listing sold. So it actually starts working against you if you have a for sale sign in someone's yard too long. 
uh, as perceived by the marketplace. Because then the sellers are realizing that you're the last person they're going to call because after all, you couldn't get their neighbor's house sold. So this stuff is really important that you understand and internalize all these lessons that we're giving you guys. Um, and this, again, is part two. And remember, you need to all be seriously considering, if you've not done so already, and hundreds of you already have, joining Premier Coaching. Premier Coaching is 100% free, and we really do teach you guys to be very powerful listing agents. Really, if Julie and I have a passion in real estate, it's definitely, definitely being listing agents and teaching all of you guys to focus on being listing agents. There is definitely... Um, you know, obviously a lot of uh, folks that want to work with buyers and there's a lot of, you know, need for agents to learn how to form teams and marketing and all the rest of it. All that is included in Premier Coaching. So you get Premier Coaching 100% for free. And remember, there's also a daily semi-private coaching call that's included. Did I mention it's free? I was just looking at um, the, uh, the content you guys get as far as Premier Coaching. And I'm sure some of you are going to feel like it's almost too much. But that's okay. I don't want to leave, and Julie and I don't want to leave anything to chance uh, with helping you guys succeed because of this market. So Premier Coaching is free. So just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Or if you just want to skip the line and just go ahead and just jump right in and become a member of Premier Coaching, you can always go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Members.timandjulieharris.com. It's members and then, you know, dot as in period, timandjulieharris.com. I had someone ask me, you know, oh, they no. spelled out D-O-T. No, it's members, you know, dot period, you know, yeah. like in, you know, the thing you put at the end of the sentence, <laughs> timandjulieharris.com. Yes. Or just text the word premiere to 47372. You should all do that right now. Just text the word premiere to 47372 and we'll text you back a link and you can join Premier Coaching for, uh, it takes you about uh, 22 seconds to join. And again, it, depending on what time of day you're joining, you can actually be on the semi-private coaching call today. So do that now. Don't think about it. Just do it. There's no risk. There's no obligation. It takes 22 seconds. No excuses, guys. Exactly. So text the word Premier to tw uh, four. What is it again? <laughs> four seven three seven two. I was just checking to see if Julie was paying mm -hmm. attention. All right. So let's get to point number two or part two, point number eight. That's right. So if you missed point uh, part number one, get caught up on your podcast because we're starting on point eight. The listing could be in the wrong pricing segment. Now, agents and brokers talk about this all the time. I don't think there's any magic solution, but it is something to consider. So for example, if your listing is at 509,000, you might be the least attractive listing for a search that buyers and buyer's agents are doing from 500,000 to 750, a typical price segment. That should be, we all know it, if you're at 509, you know it, I know it, the, the people searching know it, you probably should be 499 because then you make it the best option for someone searching from 350 to 500,000. And we would mess around with this from time to time to test it out. And oftentimes when you just go, and, and the worst one is like 503, and then you go to 499, and all of a sudden you find yourself getting more showings. Well, so why? It's because the way that the, you know, realtor.com and Zillow and everyone is just conditioned to search and price brackets. And if you do a pull down on those things, it always is just like Julie said, but you know, the first part is going to be first number is a hundred thousand. So that's your low end search and your top end search is 300,000. So if the listing is priced at 97,000, uh, it's not necessarily going to get showing. So you can actually get fewer showings and less activity if you price it a little bit lower than what the search parameters are, or even a little bit higher. So you've got to experiment with it. But really, at the end of the day, it's really important that you pay very close attention to that. You're going to have sellers that are going to want to negotiate with you and say, listen, I know it's, you know, I, let's just price it at 510. I, 
You know, my magic crystals told me it was worth 510,000. So let's price it there. And then you're going to put it at 510 and you're not going to get any showings because it's really a 499 listing. And because you priced it just slightly over 500 and the seller is going to think, well, we'll price it at 510, but I'll really take 49, 499. Let's just try to get the extra 10 yeah. grand, you know, or whatever. And I'm going to pay for my trip to Disney World. Sellers say all kinds of things like that. Well, you have to express to them and make it clear to them that they're actually going to remove themselves from a lot of potential searches and showings. And they're also going to then hurt themselves because the listing is going to appear essentially as having too many days in the market. And then the marketplace, starting with the buyers and then the buyer's agents, are going to assume there's something wrong with it. Otherwise, it would have already sold. Nothing gets better. Uh, you know, listings like milk don't get better with age. Point number exactly. nine. Exactly. Point number nine, the listing looks clearly overpriced when compared to its competition. For example, if there are 10 listings that meet a, a buyer's criteria and your three-bedroom listing is priced as if it's a four-bedroom, you're always going to look overpriced and go to the bottom of the showing list. Now, this is most obvious when there is uh, you know, more listings that are available and you have one of those line item prints and it shows you bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, and something obviously pops out as being, gosh, that seems really out of whack versus everything else that I want to see today. Well, so easy to uh, fix. The easiest, again, the three bedroom to four bedroom thing is really a great point. No, almost everybody wants a four bedroom over a three bedroom, say with a loft, right? So you're going to see in a lot of houses that were built since probably 1990, there was an option for a fourth bedroom or you could make it into a loft and the loft didn't cost anything. So silly things like that. But that is actually going to hurt the house when it comes to resale. So there's two little, you know, there's three different ways you can handle this. And again, all of you are going to be dealing with this some in some form is first of all, make that loft into a bedroom. That's you know the solution to the problem, though it would make you more market competitive. To do something like that, it's gonna cost maybe three to five grand, who knows? Uh, but the reality of it is, it's gonna increase the price of the value of the house by probably five to 10X, whatever it is, depending on the marketplace. The second thing to do is you list it as a four bedroom, but in the consumer remarks and the agent remarks, you say loft could be converted to fourth bedroom uh, ask, you know, and then put what the builder's price is going to be. And the third option, obviously, is just suffer the pains of having a house that's not market competitive. Guys, when well, you're... But price it to reflect that. Exactly. But So if you, again, these are all little nuanced things. The longer you take to learn these things after the listing is active, the less desirable the listing becomes. And the more the seller starts to doubt you, the more the neighbors start to doubt you. So what you don't want to do is learn on the job. You want to learn ahead of time. That's the reason so many of you are joining Premier Coaching. And remember, text Premier to 47372. And when texting, message and data rates may apply. Point number 10. Point number 10, the listing has a confusing floor plan, or at least confusing for your market. For example, and I just had this example with Tammy Irby in Virginia. She's got a beautiful million-dollar-plus home. However, it's a modern home in a colonial area or split levels, or anything unusual for your area, they have to have extra staging so that buyers and buyer's agents understand how the floor plan works. Here's your criteria. If you can't tell what a room is supposed to be, the home just won't resonate with a potential buyer. They might not even identify that that was the problem, but if the floor plan is confusing or weird or unpredictable, you've got to try and stage around it and make it make sense. Well, again, this goes to a lot of homes. Now, this goes back probably to the 60s. Split levels, for some frankly unknown reason to me, are very popular. And a lot of these houses, you walk in and right away you're faced with, you know, multiple choices. Do I go up or do the I go down? Case, what do I do? Exactly. You know, yeah. nobody likes to have to make decisions with walking out a front door. So that is going to be considered in the appraiser's mind if, as a pet, potentially 
uh, as an obsolete floor plan. And that is going to be something that's going to depreciate the, you know, essentially the desirability of the property. Now, if every property in this marketplace has that same deficiency, then no, it's going to be the same. It's going to be, be what's normal. appropriate for the market. But you have to be realistic. So when you're looking at comps, don't make the mistake of just looking at bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage. You've got to look to see what the floor plan was, mm -hmm. because like Julie just said, in most of the country, a single floor plan, a single everything on the same level is going to be the most desirable. That's true for a whole host of reasons. The second most desirable is going to be obviously a two story. But depending on the average age in the community, in the neighborhood, you know, if they're first floor master and people have little kids, that's going to be a problem. So these are all things that you guys can learn by really studying the MLS and studying what's selling, what's not selling. Um, but again, these are all lessons that I would rather have you learn, uh, you know, from learn us. opposed to <laughs> learn from us versus learning on the job and losing the opportunity yeah. and get, not getting a listing sold. Well, so for example, you can't or you shouldn't price a buy level or split level like it's a traditional two story. Even if they're both four bedrooms, it doesn't matter because they always go for less. This is something that you'll know by studying your MLS, by taking appraisal classes, by doing lots of BPOs. Which you did, your by the way. I mean, that's right. one of the things you did. Our mm -hmm. first year in business sure. is you took an appraisal class. Helps a lot because and you know what? A lot of appraisers won't count below level grade. Even if it's finished beautifully, they're not going to give it the same value as fully finished above grade. Now, here's the flip side. If you are living in an older community where the above grade floor plan is smaller, like say 1,000, 1,200 square feet or even sure. less. I mean, Julie and I have rental properties like this. You can actually, frankly, build in a tremendous amount of value by finishing the basement and then, in some cases, making one of the windows in the basement, digging it out so that it's a full egress window. So why am I telling you that? Because if you put a bedroom in the basement and there's not a full egress window, then it doesn't count as a finished, it can't count as living space by an appraiser. But if it has a, a window that, in the reason, the, the rationale is if the house were to catch on fire, it has to have a window in it that the, a bedroom, you know, can't count as a bedroom unless someone if can If you can't actually, get out of it. Exactly. So these are all things to keep in mind. Even if, so if there's a bedroom in a basement and then there's even a door that is, it leaves from the, uh, you know, the overall space in the basement, it's, but the window or the door isn't in the actual bedroom, the appraiser's not going to count that as a bedroom. So the whole, uh, you know, the basement area is going to be depreciated. And in some cases, you're not even going to get your money back from having finished the property. So if you're doing, if you're selling in an area that has a lot of older homes and the people want to, you know, frankly, lock in a lot of extra value, one of the smart moves is to finish the basement. And some of you guys might want to do this yourselves and then make sure at least one of the windows in the basement is a full size window that someone can escape from, which means you're going to have to dig it out. And it's you know, not that expensive. Though. No, it's not that expensive. And, that. and we've done that before. And yeah. it's, it's frankly, it's a fantastic way of putting money in your pocket. Absolutely. And this is where all of those agents who are in states where there are no basements are going, huh? What the heck? What are we even talking about? Yeah. And in a lot of ways, you guys with no basements, it is a blessing because that's a whole other can of worms. I don't even want to think about it. It is funny though, Julie, you, basements. you yeah. mentioned basements. Like last year we went on our U.S. tour. We were in 22 or three different 22. states. Yep. And it's so funny, the states where it's just not normal to have basements. I know. Like you go out to California, no basements. Nope. No particular reason not to have basements. Not even like an Inland Empire where there's yep. no problems with the ground in earthquakes. Well, you know. how about Texas? There's tornadoes in Texas all the time and they don't have tornadoes. I, and they don't, I have, mean, basements. They don't have basements. Yeah. And then you go to Iowa and everything's a basement. So it's, it it's no basically, it's, it's tradition in that particular yep. part of the country. But it is funny though, isn't it? It is. And you know, there's other things like, you know, you can build a house a lot faster if you don't have to deal with digging out a basement. But 100%. anyway, we digress. Yep. Okay. We do. So, <laughs> all right. Now, point number 11. This is something that all of you either have dealt with or will deal with. The listing has negative feedback that never gets remedied and the price 
doesn't improve to reflect that. Well, you are on the fast track to expiring. Repetitive negative feedback. Again, that's what causes listings to expire. If you do not either fix the negative uh, issues, whatever they may be. What's your assumption you're making with that point? That they know what feedback is. Or that, that they, they know what feedback, feedback is. That they're getting showings as well. Well, that they're getting the feedback after the showings happen. Which has disappeared as well over the past decade. You guys haven't bothered to get feedback because the feedback was choose an offer or whose offer is better. So the feedback is when a listing agent calls a buyer's agent and says, assuming they didn't get an offer from them, what did your buyer think? And, and a lot of you guys are going, well, gosh, why would you want to do that? Well, guess what? If you don't have a pile of contracts sitting on your desk in the first weekend, you might want to find out what's causing that. Why is it not selling? Now, some of those things are easy to fix and some of them are not going to get fixed. So let me give you some options with getting feedback. You can do what Julie just said. Obviously, that's going to be the most efficient. But the other systems, and we teach you how to do this in Premier Coaching, the second, well, frankly, the easiest one of all that's going to get the least results is going to be using something like uh, homefeedback.com. And think. there's lots of apps for it now, too. Yeah, there's lots of essentially electronic versions of... Showing time, I think. Showing time. But I think showing time owns homefeedback.com. Yeah. Pretty sure it does. What, uh, what we would suggest is that you actually leave an, a survey on the kitchen counter for the buyer actually to fill out while they're in the property and leave for the seller. Now, they're not always going to complete it, uh, but if you hit that survey, leaving, and we have samples of this in Premier Coaching. Larissa Burke has deployed this, by the way. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's called the instant feedback card. Right, and exactly. And so you leave that, This you know, buyer walks in, the buyer completes it, the buyer's going to then wonder why the heck isn't every listing agent doing this when they go to show homes. But in any event, and then you, they just frankly leave it for the seller to see. They don't have to put their name or any personal contact and it's not a long survey, five or six, you know, questions. What do you think about the how this, you know, the price in the house, the condition, areas of improvement, whatever. Um, and then they leave that on the kitchen counter, and that is going to be unbelievably powerful feedback for that uh, potential seller. Now, really, the combination of things is the way to go. Do that and do homefeedback.com. The homefeedback.com report is going to go to the buyer's agent. So you're asking for a feedback from the buyer in the house when they're seeing it, and you're asking for feedback from the buyer's agent when they get the email. So one of the two ways you're going to definitely get feedback for that seller. Why do you want to do that? Because again, you're going to then use the market is going to tell the seller what's wrong with the property, thus making the market. You guys, get when I'm you reading between the lines here. Thus making the market the bad guy when the seller is learning indeed that the cat pee smell is really as bad as, you know, you've been telling them for all this long, right? And <laughs> then right. they're going to then make the improvements because if there is something strange that happens with some of your sellers and you'll experience this where for some reason they hired you, they trust you, they know you can get the job done. But for some reason, the thing you've been asking them to change and they won't change all of a sudden, when they get some feedback report from someone that they've never met before, they will be more than happy to fix it. It's just a bizarre yeah. human trait, and I don't even know why, but it there is it weird. is. But, yeah. you know, not dealing with feedback, this is a new thing for a lot of these guys. Well, but Julie, uh, yeah. let, let's drill down on that. Sure. Because this is a really good point. Mm -hmm. So a lot of sellers don't know how to translate what feedback means. True. Right. And so what we have as far as uh, included in Premier Coaching is after you take a listing, you have a book, basically, then you, all of you guys will get this, that you give to the seller. Which, what level is that on? You remember? I can't remember off the top of my I think head. it's, it's level proven, seven or eight. Proven Home Selling System. Yeah, Proven Home Selling System. And what it does is it tells them how to translate feedback. And the whole point of this is to give it to the seller so that when they have questions, they're going to reference the book or the guide more than they're going to be pestering you. So maybe the feedback is the house shows dark. Well, what does that mean? It means to absolutely, absolutely leave all the lights on, 
open all the windows. But it also means that it turns out black paint in the family room was a bad idea. You guys get the point? And what it really means is that buyer either decided to keep themselves in the market and keep looking, aren't buying your listing, or they decided to buy something that didn't show as dark, probably for the same price or better. Now, reference the first ser- uh, first podcast we did in this little mini-series. There's only two of these, right? That is telling you how to position the house correctly and maybe get a stager. Again, the point of the stager is obviously to stage the property for sale, but also they themselves will become the bad guy telling the seller all the things that, frankly, you didn't want to tell the seller for fear of pissing the seller off and them not listing the house with you. Which was yeah. the smart move. Your job is to get the price house position on the market correctly, and then you can employ some of the suggestions we have to make it so that the seller ends up listing with you. A seller won't list the house with you unless, and this is a subconscious thing, but you'll hear this from sellers when you don't get the listing. You could become the best listing agent ever, and you're just absolutely nine times out of ten, you're taking every single listing, and all of a sudden you don't get one. You ask the seller why you didn't get the listing, and the seller is going to say something that's completely. They'll say some iteration of this because I didn't believe, I didn't feel you believed in the listing. Now, what does that mean? It means you did not have enough energy and enthusiasm for the property. It means that you went in there and you started decorating, the, redecorating, or positioning the property. It means you went in there and you gave them a long list of things the house needed. You did the wrong thing, and they chose somebody else who just simply had more energy and enthusiasm for the property. Who will then deal with feedback coming from other agents and remedy it that way. So, right. so feedback can be a very useful tool when you work it the right way. Okay, point number 12. The listing has too many personal items like family pictures, degrees on the wall, specific artwork or collections. These things can distract the buyer from focusing on the property and how they would live there. And you and I have many, many examples of this. Anything from, you know, we saw lots of listings in Texas with with lots of uh, different heads on the wall that maybe wasn't everybody's jam. Uh, but also, I don't know if you remember this, we, we were listing one one time and the guy had this huge collection of Nazi paraphernalia in his den. <laughs> All kinds of like, you know, that's distracting to people. No matter, you know, what you might collect, you don't necessarily want to see what somebody else collects. Beer can collections, this blue and white uh, dish thing. That oh, do you remember pe- sponge paint? Oh, yeah. Spon- <laughs> that was so awful. here's the way to move around, not telling people to like politely tell people to take their family <laughs> pictures off the wall. You could say something like, well, the wall needs painted, so let's get the pictures off, uh, patch the holes where the uh, where the pictures were. And you're going to have to pack them up anyway. Exactly. That's the way to have these conversations without offending somebody. Or as you start to essentially become more successful and make more money, then you hire a stager and they'll go in there. And again, they can be the bad guy. They'll be the bad guy. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But again, don't lose the listing over it. Nope. Don't go in there and say, this is all the stuff you have to do. And this is where we have to price it. And don't be that guy or that gal because you won't get the listing especially assuming they're motivated. Somebody is going to list that. Better be you. Okay, point number 13. The listing has obvious detriments like, but not limited to, bugs, dog hair, cat box smells, a green swimming pool, or other off-putting things that are making the buyer run away. Either price it to reflect the condition or fix the condition, and sometimes you're going to have to do both. Oh, yeah, actually, this is another little thing. I noticed Julie doesn't have this in her notes, but when it comes to pets and animals and, frankly, condition issues, sometimes yeah. the best thing is what we used to lovingly call remove the homeowner, and that is <laughs> yeah. something we'd have to do. we go into some of these properties when Julie and I were you know, listing, we would sell between 100 and 200 homes a year. We did it for almost 10 years, and you'd walk into some of these houses, and it was just clutter or... All, you know, 15 dogs or 77 squirrels. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we went into a house once. <laughs> I don't want to mention the name, but it was in Beachwall. Do you remember? I know. Ex- I'm reading your mind. Okay. And, and this lady had trained not making this up. <laughs> 
You think I am, but I'm not. Raccoons. Yes. To come into a dog door in her door. In the kitchen. And sit at the table and have breakfast with her. And I Cereal, the whole full-on yep. breakfast. Yep. So, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have ever fed raccoons before. We've done it when we were in Texas, frankly. And you feed one raccoon, it doesn't <laughs> take too long. I remember once Julie and I... <laughs> I don't care if we'll tell a story. <laughs> so it was one of Zoe's birthday cakes. Yeah. We didn't finish it all. We put it out in the in the uh, the middle of the property. And, you know, it turns out raccoons love the hell out of a uh, birthday, <laughs> old cake. birthday cake. It wasn't just one, but we woke woke up around 2 a.m. We looked out our we turned the spotlights oh on. We looked in the back of the property. There were probably 50 to 75 raccoons that were out there having a birthday cake party stoned yep. out on the sugar. And you. it was all different ages and it was unbelievable. It was crazy. But you're like, where the hell did all these things go during the day? Well, well they'll keep coming into your house as well. That same that same house, I will never forget, I was doing an open house. And it was a fairly sizable house. I was in the kitchen. And I heard this like gnawing away from the dining room. And one of the seller's cats had uh, caught a blue jay in the backyard and dragged it in through the same dog door and was chowing down on it during an open house in the dining room. So you see, you can't make this stuff up. So what did we do? We removed the homeowner. That's the point of the <laughs> and story. And all of their stuff. And all their cases. stuff. And we found her another house oh, and she moved life. into it. And then we went back and we helped position the house to you know, get it sold. Because turns out not a lot of people like to have the uh, flora fauna and the wild animals come in and live with them. <laughs> yes. But I'm not judging. Whatever. No, whatever. But, you know, this comes in many different flavors. So, yes, remove and uh, remedy. Okay. So, point number 14 you guys could have gotten away with in previous market conditions. It's called the listing has a lower than expected buyer side commission. And in some cases, you're still able to do that. But, you know, you have to do what's what's expected or you might get fewer showings. And obviously there's a lot of litigation over that very topic right, right now. Just be market appropriate for whatever your co-op that's is going to be. And that's really the end of that conversation. And, uh, yeah, so point number 15. The listing agent simply isn't proactive or effective at communicating with the seller. When there's competition in the market, you must have a proactive strategy for being the listing that wins. I'm going to give you a quick example. Sue Erdman just took a listing not too long ago that was an expired the expired said, you know, because she was doing her script, she was asking, gosh, why do you think it expired? Gosh, what happened? And they said, well, I kept on, we kept getting this feedback that our woodwork was too dark, but we didn't know what to do about it. We didn't know where to get an estimate. We didn't fix it. We know we've got to do it. Meanwhile, the house expires. Sue goes in there, talks to them about it, is proactive about helping them remedy that because the dark woodwork looked outdated versus the competition. It was that simple. That was why the house expired. I think that she's already got that in contract and probably didn't even have to reduce the price, just had to fix the feedback. Since we're sharing coaching client stories, I'll tell yes. you guys one that I think this would be a good way to round out today's podcast. So one of our coaching clients was listing, and I don't think it matters too much if I say the name, Charlie Sheen's mansion Oh yes, that he had in Hollywood oh forever. Goodness. And this is a property he's owned for, since the 80s. And you guys, most of you will know who Charlie Sheen is. A very famous actor who ran into, you know, I'd say a whole bunch of interesting problems as he issues. got older. Yeah. yeah, issues. But it turns out <laughs> this property was very, like, outdated, but it was in good condition. And that's a lot of cases with, you know, big, expensive houses. They're going to be outdated. They need remodeled. But it's livable. The things are in good condition, with one exception. Yes. It turns out Mr. Sheen had built into the lower level uh, a hidden room. And you guys know exactly where I'm going if you know where Charlie Sheen is. Yes, it was a full-on sex dungeon. And the thing was is – How <laughs> I do just, you put that in a home brochure? I'm just wondering. That's what I'm laughing yeah. about. Because obviously as the listing agent and in many markets with more expensive listings, I think this one was 
I don't remember if it was over 10 million, but it was in that price range. Um, you have to be there. It's expected. The seller expects you to be there for all showings. Well, you know, this listing agent who had coached forever and still, you know, communicate with on a regular basis. Uh, you know, the fact is, is that he knew where this dungeon was and he had to show the dungeon to everybody. So he's having to show people this house that needs a total remodel. And then he'd walk them downstairs and he'd show them the dungeon. And it was full on red shag carpet. It was, you know, things hanging from the walls, mirrors everywhere. I didn't see pictures, thankfully, frankly. You can't unsee that. <laughs> I, yeah, but he did describe it to me. Yeah. But what we really had, uh, what I really enjoyed having him explain to me was the reaction that some of the very conservative, oftentimes, uh, buyers would have when they walked into the dungeon room. <laughs> That's what, so point is, is that was something that obviously yeah. needed to be fixed. And the seller, Mr. Sheen, wouldn't make any changes to the property for a whole host of reasons, mostly financial, unfortunately. Um, and so what ended up happening is that property sold for dramatically less because the seller wouldn't, you know, frankly, fix the condition issues. That was one of the things that that's going to happen in some cases where you have, you know, sellers that aren't willing to fix condition issues is they're going to take a discount on the property that is far more severe than whatever it would have cost to fix that problem. Especially because it takes longer to sell. You're going to have fewer offers. It may expire multiple times. You know, I'll tell you a real quick story from a different price range, but still in Los Angeles. Okay. <laughs> this was a newer coaching client, newer agent, and it was honest to goodness, her first listing ever. Okay. And I think, I can't remember how she got it, what the source was, but she took a listing. It's in a nice normal neighborhood, you know, had a bunch of showings, but her feedback kept on being the same. She shows like a zoo, smells like a zoo. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, well, what is that? Agents being obnoxious with their feedback. And she kind of ignored it for a few showings. Until she went in for, you know, finally got curious. She was going to go set up an open house herself. And this was a divorce situation. Okay, the, the uh, female of the party was living there. And this, this client walks in and she notices, I kid you not, a miniature pony in the living room. Okay. And of course, there was, along with ponies, comes pony droppings. And this explained why it shows like a zoo. Well, this was one of those emotional support ponies that gets to live in the house. No, no. So you're making an assumption there yeah. with your story, Mrs. Harris. You're yeah. assuming that um, they know what a that like if I were back in Ohio where you and I were selling real right. estate, listening to this story right now, and I just heard you tell me there's a such thing as a emotional support pony pony, I wouldn't believe you. I'm telling you, it's a real thing. <laughs> it is. That means you're allowed to take them wherever they you want to go, and this is one of the reasons why planes have cracked down on that is because people were taking all kinds of different liberties with different animals. Anyway, the uh, negative feedback was you probably should not have horse poo in the living room. That's kind of a turnoff. And, of course, she had to take action. But I'll never forget that coaching call because after she had done that, she came to the call crying. And she said, you know, you told me I need to be a listing agent. But if everyone's going to be like this, I don't know if I'm down with that. And I had to explain to her this is actually an unusual situation. So, well, hold yeah. on. It's LA. Maybe not in LA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe not. Anyway, I digress. We could go on forever, all the strange things. We could. Your best stories, uh, agents, <laughs> after you've been in the business for a while, will always be on the listing side. Always. You'll yeah. sort of, you know, forget about the buyer side transactions, but the listing sides are where, where your funniest stories are always going to happen because you're having a little, you know, way more, I don't know, personal relationship with the sellers because you're dealing with their home. You know, I guess with the big takeaway, I hope you, hopefully you guys are internalizing the nature of what it takes to be a successful listing agent. And really, if I could, you know, encapsulate the last two podcasts in the series that we've done, it's absolutely positively have 
energy and enthusiasm. And if you don't naturally have it, learn how to fake it. Learn how to be a good actor. Learn how to turn it on. If that means you have a you know double shot of espresso before you walk into the seller's house, then have that double shot. But you cannot be low energy. You cannot have no or low enthusiasm. And you can't be overly critical, especially of their personal stuff. That's the most important thing is just learn to shut up. Don't try to go in there and be a home inspector. Don't be a, you know, I don't care. You might have a contractor's license. Keep that to yourself. They're hiring somebody. Most sellers are going to hire you because they like you. Okay, what does it mean to be liked? It means they have confidence you're going to be able to get the property sold. Okay, great. I get that, Tim. So what does that mean? It means that you have to combine what you learn in Premier Coaching with energy and enthusiasm. If you use our pre-listing pack and you pre-qualify and you go on a very motivated seller's appointment, but you're low energy, you have no energy and enthusiasm, and then you make one of these cardinal mistakes, one of these 15 points, and you know basically overstepping your boundaries with regards to telling the seller how to position the house in the market, you're not going to get the listing. And you're hopefully going to have enough emotional maturity, being willing to set your ego aside, to realize you're the reason you didn't take that listing because you didn't have the energy and enthusiasm. The seller thought you didn't like the house. Nobody is going to hire you, even to sell a commercial property, unless they like you. Why do they like you? Because you had a professional approach. That's the reason you joined Premier Coaching. And because you had energy and enthusiasm. Because you showed an actual desire to get the listing and complete the job. Think about that. Isn't that the most basic thing you could ever possibly hear? And yet, how many of you are losing opportunities right now because you're not essentially, you're showing up acting like you're some sort of, you know, reading a spreadsheet to them. That's not what they want. Even the most analytical person, they're going to want a good in-depth CMA. They're going to want to see your pre-listing pack. They're going to want to have a professional listing presentation. But if you don't ask for the business by your behavior first to having energy and enthusiasm, following our listing presentation and actually asking the seller to sign the contract, if you don't do that, you won't take the listing. And the best thing about this and the thing that I, frankly, when Julie and I realized this, it was the greatest blessing in real estate ever. The wonderful thing about listings, and especially in a market like this, is they're relatively easy to take versus, say, for example, a year ago. There's more opportunities. There's going to be an enormous amount of opportunities with expired listings because all the inexperienced listing agents that put the properties for sale that didn't get them sold, those listings are going to start mysteriously coming off the market. It's already happening. Exactly. And they're going to show up expired. You need to be the next agent those sellers list with. The You, know, you need to be the reason that that listing ends up getting sold. And from that, you'll get essentially build a tremendous amount of momentum. This is the perfect time of year to really drilling, be, you know, drill down and focus on becoming a listing agent. Look, guys, we know that a lot of you want to work on your marketing and your lead generation, your funnels and your brands and your teams. Now is the time for you to be building listing inventory. Build inventory into next year, into the year after that, from the, essentially the efforts you make now. It all comes from your willingness to have uh, frankly, set your ego aside again, accept the fact that what it took for you to be successful in the previous market is certainly not what it's going to take for you to be successful in the transitioning market, let alone the market that's yet to come. Drill down, focus in on the fact that there has never been a better opportunity for you to become a listing agent. Thrive because of this market. Absolutely. And this is one of the best things about Premier Coaching is that when you guys go to those semi-private coaching sessions that happen every single weekday, same time, same place, fully live by our Harris certified coaches, you're going to hear from your colleagues who do have a professional attitude and outlook who are sharing all of their challenges and their victories. And they're going to say, you know what? You're not going to believe. I talked to three expired yesterday. I already have one listed. I've got another appointment set up for this afternoon. And then they're going to come with questions and through their questions and the coaches answers and that interaction, 
you're going to then know what to do on your next appointment. So yes, the market is going to become more challenging the rest of the year for many agents, but the most skilled agents, the agents that are focused on becoming listing agents are actually going to be building their inventory into next year. And here's what Julie and I are starting to see form. And I'll tell you why we think this, because Frank, first of all, it just makes sense what I'm about to tell you. But also we're hearing it from our uh, top listing agents around the country. We have thousands of coaching clients, tens of thousands of podcast listeners. You guys are listening and if on YouTube watching the number one daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. We believe that despite all the you know doom and gloom that you guys might be you know seeing in your lives and marketplaces, we believe that there is going to be another real estate boom that's going to happen in less than 12 months, probably less than six months. Now, why do we believe that? Because there is a tremendous pent up demand for properties for sale. And for the first time in a long damn time in most of the country, you're seeing a building of inventory. That there's is something to sell. There's something to sell. There's something for buyers to buy. You think that uh, the buyers have taken themselves out of the marketplace because their uh, you know, payments may have gone up a little bit because interest rates rose. Well, guess what? So did their rents. And so what's going to happen is they took themselves out of the marketplace because of uncertainty. They took themselves out of the marketplace because they were just, you know, maybe getting sucked into the doom and gloom themselves. People have, humans have an amazing ability to adapt quickly. So what you're going to see is you will adapt quickly to this new inflationary time. You will adapt quickly to the new rules. They will adapt and then they're going to return back to the market because it turns out that they always will need a place to live. And that ultimately is the blessing of real estate. And that really is the thing I hope you guys internalize and never let anyone talk you out of, um, frankly, making this industry the essentially the vehicle to accomplish all your dreams and your goals in your life. You are selling something that everybody needs, right? Think about that. You were smart enough at some point in your life to get a real estate license and you are selling something that everyone needs. Everyone always needs a place to live. Homeless people aside, God bless them. But you are selling something that all, every human will need at every stage in their life. Good for you. Good job. So don't let anyone talk you out of the fact that this isn't a great market because it is a great market because you're selling something that every human needs. And they need you more. You know, right. I, I celebrate the days, I, you know, yeah, maybe sellers aren't going to say, you know what, why, why would I pay you that? Because I know it's going to sell overnight with multiple offers. You guys have fun with that conversation. I'm glad that that's going away. You know what else? Yeah. I'm glad that things are selling for closer to list price and you're not having to deal with appraisal issues anymore. This is all good. I'm really happy that buyers are going to actually have some choices going forward. I read something on Housing Wire yesterday morning that said uh, it tracks how lenders are reacting to this. There are lenders that are now on their own. There's one of them. I can't remember the name that is throwing uh, 90 basis points buy down on their own for first time buyers. First time buyers are gonna be able to buy something now. Oh, I think this is a lot of positive. Do commissions go up when uh, sellers need you more than say they did before? Do you think commissions are gonna go up or go down right now? They're gonna go up. Do you think buyer's agents commissions are gonna go up or are they gonna go down right now in a marketplace like this? Oh yeah, They're builders are paying commission again. Exactly, and oftentimes over whatever the market rate commission yep, is. bonuses. Are buyer's agents commissions gonna go up? Yes, they're gonna go up, right? You guys get the point. Are there gonna be more opportunities for you to become listing agents? Yes, there are gonna be more opportunities for you to become listing agents. Be incredibly excited and motivated. We are. We are for you, right? We're gonna make a, a, a podcast series um, it's going to be coming out probably next week or the week after that. I'm stuck with writing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to, it's some iteration of Be Obsessed. And Julie inspired this idea. It's based on a uh, point from Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich, right? Do you remember the point? 
I have to look up the definite of purpose. Definiteness of purpose. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the power of essentially having definiteness of purpose, being obsessed about the accomplishment of that purpose, and we're going to do, frankly, what we we're going to uh, do whatever it takes to have you feel what we personally feel but also what of our thousands of top coaching clients are also feeling because of this market. So that's going to hopefully come next week. Looking forward to it. Yes. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>